Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. It is a good morning. I'm going to get into a conversation. I know Stephen spoke last week on our, uh, our value, how God values us and our value in God. So I wanted to take that, that a little bit to a, a, another place that I feel like the Lord's really taking us to is um, understanding this. So, so just come with me for a second. Please just join in with me that God, God has place such an intrinsic value on you and I, every human being actually, so much so that he gave his very own son, his very life for you so that you can have eternal life, right? That's a high value that he sees in you and on you. Do you understand that? Anybody agree with that? We'll get everybody else on board by the time, I, I hope, by the time this is over. Because it, it, to understand that, though, is, is, is amazing. Because when we really do take that into consideration, that God, the creator of all, He has created all of this. You guys do realize that, right? Join me. <laughs> Come with me. This is a really good message. I, as I was preparing this and as the Lord was speaking to me and as the, actually the Holy Spirit was uncovering and revealing some things that I thought that I knew about, he kind of, I, I almost heard him laugh at me just like I just did and said, you, you, you really don't know it yet. I, I want to show you something deeper. And I want to show you something that from... And here's what he actually said. The Holy Spirit said this. I want to show you how I look at what you're going to talk about from my point of view. Like, oh man, I'd like that. Stephen was talking about our value. The, the one thing that he didn't touch on it, and it's, I felt like the Holy Spirit saying, you, not, you, need, to, you need to touch on this because it's that next place. It's that next step. It's that next understanding, revelation of your value. Your value is so much that I gave my son for you. But then here's that next place. As I value you even to this place, a point of, I actually long and I desire and I'm looking to dwell inside you. I see you as so valuable. I will place myself in you and be your God and be your people. And I will plant my, my word in your heart and I will give you my thoughts. That's how much I value. Now, when you take it to that level, I'm thinking, that's value, isn't it? Right? I mean, that's where it's like, I'm not just that I'm doing something for you, but I'm doing something in you because I see you as precious, as valuable, as worth it, as worth it. And God does that. He's doing that. Hello? So let's talk about this as us being... The temple of the living God. I'm going to read a, a, a passage. Sorry, Michael, I didn't give you anything to go off of. But Revelation 21, verse 3. If you could pop that up, if you can, that's great. He's quick with fingers, I know it. <clears throat> I, I love this simply because it's, it's, it's one of the end statements. Revelation 21, if, you, if, you're, if you're ever at a place that you're like, ah, oh, Revelation, it's confusing, it's, I don't understand it, I don't get it, it's all about, you know, war and end times and stuff, just, just go to 21. 21 is always the, one of my favorite chapters. It talks about the end. It talks about heaven. What's, what we're in for. And I love it. It's like, well, that's really good stuff. This is, where, this is where the good news gets even better. And he says this, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and he will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. We are the temple of the living God. And here's, uh, you know, I, I, I get accused every now and then of um, kind of saying the same thing kind of over and over again. Uh, 
I'm wondering how much of that is on me and how much of that is on all of us. In other words, I, I feel like we desperately need to understand and know what the presence of God looks like, what the presence of God is. And, it, and when I say no, I'm talking about the word no as a man knows a woman. Know it experientially. Know the presence of God. Not just know what it's about, but know what the presence of God is. I believe that that's so ingrained in my spirit and in my messages that it seems like it constantly comes up and it comes out. So yeah, it seems like we talk about this a lot. So I'm going to go and I'm going to start at the beginning. So follow with me for a minute talking about the temple of God. Because to understand we are the temple, I think we need to go back and we need to understand from the very, very beginning what the temple of God is and how that looks so that when I talk about me having God dwell in me, what, what am I referring to? Do you ever, you ever, you know, some of us, we talk so much Christianese that we talk it, but we don't know what we're talking about, right? Uh, hello? Uh, so, sometimes it happens. Maybe most of you all understand it, but you talk about Jesus living inside you. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that looks like? Do you, do you understand what that entails? You understand all of that, that, of what Jesus living inside me is about. I, I, you know, we, we say it, you know, ask Jesus into your heart, and he comes and he lives inside you. Do you get it? Okay, having the heart of Jesus. That's good. Having the Holy Spirit inside you, absolutely. Yeah, you can't. Uh, you know, you're, if you don't have the Holy Spirit inside you, you're basically what? Dead. You're not saved. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is essential. It's a requirement to being saved. The Holy Spirit living inside you is salvation. It, it's a part of it that does not just not. You can't. You can't teach it out of you. It's. It's then. Then you're still dead. Sorry. It's true. So let's talk about it. I, are you guys with me? See, in the, garden, in the Garden of Eden, where God created, God was fully present, right? God was fully present with Adam and with Eve. Had this intimate relationship. The whole of creation was filled with the presence of God. In fact, you can almost say that, that, that the whole of creation was the temple of God because God inhabited all of creation. And, and, and this, this beautifully soft, this magnificent, relatable creator was intimate with his creation. Personally, he walked among and talked among his creation. All of it. That's what it looked like. So you could, you could actually really say, and this is why it's hard for us to imagine this and picture this, because we live in a fallen world. We don't understand it. We have nothing to liken it to. But God does. Do you hear what I just said? God does. And that's the focus. Remember I told you, I said, I'm going to share this message from God's point of view. God does. And God remembers. And God liked it. God wants it. He desires to have that back. His relationship with all of creation extended to the entirety of it. Not just this ball that we're on. All of it. That just blew my mind. I didn't even think of that until just this second. All of the universe was inhabited and is inhabited by the entirety of God's presence. And then sin messed it up. Sin messed it up. Sin came in and destroyed, actually took apart. Here's what sin actually did. When Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, sin came in and removed the presence of God from 
that inhabited place that was so perfectly inhabited by God's presence. I know that was redundant, but that's exactly what happened. Sin came in. and Now, have you ever heard the statement, um, God can't be in the same place of, as sin? God can't be at the same place. He cannot, inha- he cannot be in the same area as sin. Basically, sin and God cannot dwell together. Just like light and darkness cannot dwell together. You ever heard that statement? Yes. You understand what, he's, what we're talking about as Christians in that regard? Sure. <laughs> is that God is holy, God is just, and wherever sin is, because God is holy and God is so perfect, God is so just... It's so right that sin and God cannot dwell in the same place. Light and darkness. When the light comes on, where does the darkness go? Away. It cannot be in the same place. Now, the dilemma that I've always had with that is this one thing. is, is Then what happened to that place? Because, come with me for a second. I know this is kind of a little bit hashed up for a second, but... What happened to that place where, where God was, he came into the garden walking in the cool of the day and after Adam and he, Eve had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and he approached the garden, and this, so this was after sin, and he approached and said, Adam, where are you? What happened to that, what, was God able to approach Adam and Eve at that moment? You guys tracking with my, my line of thinking here? Was he able to get to them? Was he able to get near them? Because now sin is there, and then God comes in, and sin is still there. What happens? What's that? God called for Adam, and of course Adam spoke back and said, you know, basically, where are you? He said, I, am, I was afraid. I was afraid. And I was ashamed. What, what actually happened there, though? Do you guys, uh, uh, this is really, really deep. I, uh, can you go with me here for a second? Yeah. Go to the garden. God walking. Adam and Eve hiding. And at this point, they'd already, what did they do? They covered themselves with fig leaves, correct? Hello? How did God approach them? If sin and God cannot be in the same place, how did God approach them? Anybody, anybody remember? This is really good news. This is really good news. I'm going to tell you, this. understanding this is, is, is key. Because understanding this is understanding how God approaches you and I. How did God approach them? Okay, nope, nope, that's, that's close but not good. Okay, I'll, I'll share it. God actually implemented the gospel at that po- moment in time. He implemented grace into Adam and Eve's body, soul, and spirit at that very moment. How did he do it? He covered them. Remember? He covered them with a covering. That covering was what? It was a sacrifice already ahead of time. Are you kidding me? God actually took into account, said, I still want to commune with you, Adam and Eve. I have to cover you with the sacrifice of blood, a blood sacrifice, so that I can still talk to you. I can still relate to you. I can still come to you. And even though you messed up, I still want to talk to you. I still want to be with you. He implemented the gospel even before Jesus was ever even on the scene. That's so awesome to me. You guys getting that? But so if we get that, what we're getting then is this is how God relates to each and every one of us all the time. God doesn't change. He's no shifting. He does not change. He does not alter his demeanor, his behaviors. He does what he does to get to you, to get to me. Because he longs to be with me. Not just with me, but he actually has this insane desire, is how I kind of see it, to live inside me this. To live inside me. 
And he'll go every, he'll go to every length to make it happen. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's really good news that even from the very beginning, God was implementing the gospel of his very son to cover us as mankind at the very moment that we fell, even at the moment that we still keep falling, he still covers us with the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. That's really good news. You can't get better news than that, as I keep saying. I, it, it's the best news. So let's go back. This, that, was a, that was a total side note to my notes. There's nowhere in my notes, that whole situation. See, sin might be understood as all those places in our lives that we actually have said no to God's presence and we've shut God out. But see, God's plan is, has been, even from that very beginning, and it still continues to be, to fill the world with His glory and with His presence. The temple, the temple of God, so this is what I'm going to talk about for a little while, the temple of God, which was preceded by the tabernacle, or the tent of meeting in the wilderness, was the provision that God had made for this return of His presence among His people. It had an outer court, an inner holy place where sacrifices were offered, and an inner sanctuary known as the Holy of Holies, where the high priest would enter once a year. And there a heavy curtain separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place. And no one except the high priest was allowed to enter, and that once a year. In the Holy of Holies was a special ornate box, if you will, known as the Ark of the Covenant, which contained, among other things, it contained the stone tablets upon where the Ten Commandments were written. The top of the chest was the mercy seat. And it was here that the high priest would place the blood of the sacrifice, that once a year sacrifice of that pure and spotless lamb, on the mercy seat. And it was there that where sins were forgiven by God because of that high priest sacrifice of that perfect spotless lamb so that there could be communion with God. Sins were declared forgiven. The temple was this ongoing manifestation, ongoing sign of God's presence amongst God's people. And it provided one place where God could be approached once a year. So the temple represented the presence of God and the absence of sin. Interesting, huh? Remember, God gave Moses the blueprints to this by showing him a picture of the real one in heaven. That's awesome. So now, at the perfect time, listen to this, along comes Jesus as the high priest and the final sacrifice. But also, he is the true temple of God. In Jesus, the presence of God is manifest and the absence of sin is clearly portrayed. When Jesus sacrificed his very life on the cross, one of the often neglected details, listen to this, is the moment of his death, the heavy curtain that separated the, from, separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place was torn in two from top to bottom. This was so much more, listen, than a symbolic demonstration. This was way more than just something that symbolized something. It was actually happening in heaven and also on earth. The presence of God, listen to this, this is so amazing. The presence of God was no longer limited to one place 
at one time. The curtain was ripped. It's almost as though, if you cannot picture this, I know we got to reverse it for a second. It's, it's as though God was released. God was set free to dwell in people who believe and chose His Son as the atoning sacrifice for their sins. Have you ever thought of it like that? Don't we always think of it as like, oh, what's God doing for me? What's God doing for me? And it's all about me. God was telling me this and the Holy Spirit saying, what I did was also for me because I love you. I want to be with you. I want to dwell inside you. I did this for me too. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? I don't know why I'm just so amazed at that. And as I look at that and I look at it that way, so many scriptures just start to just bounce and, and fly through my mind and my spirit. You know, when he talks about us abiding in Christ and Christ abiding in us, I've always been like confused by that. Uh, yeah, sorry, I get confused about what the Bible says sometimes. I, 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 I'm, the, I'm the president of the club. What are you talking about? And now I get it. I get it. I get it. He longs to abide in me as much as he puts the desire in me to abide in him. I love that. Are you getting that this morning? Oh, please get it. Please understand it. Please know it. Because when we do that, when we get that, I think that we get the the reality and the understanding and the truth of how much God longs to be with us, longs to relate to us. And I'm not even going to attempt to to, uh, humanize God by by relating him to even me as a father that longs to, to have a relationship with my children. I do. I like that. And that's true. And I think that can be there. But I don't even think it comes close to what God wants with each and every one of us. And when we stop and we break it down even a little bit farther, we, how can we not say that that's the same that's the same desire that God has for your lost neighbor, your lost son, your lost friend, your lost boss that doesn't know him. God has that desire to know him, to know her. Hello? The blood of Jesus still covers the mercy seat, which actually frees God to again dwell with man. And anyone who calls on Jesus (laughs) gets God to live inside of him. Or even better, God gets to live inside of you. You ever just thought of it like that? I'm serious, my, my brain has been blown up. It's exploded. Amen. Even verses that he tells us, you know, where like wherever two or more are gathered in his name, the presence of God is there. See, God is now present in his people, wherever they gather, everywhere they gather, and he loves that we gather. He loves it. He wants us to gather together in his name to bring glory to God to bring glory to God, to to share the love of God, to encourage each other in the love of God. Not to religiously pounce on each other. That's ugly. And that's not God. No amens to that, but that, that we should amen to that. I always love the illustration of us in a canoe working our way against the stream, against the flow, struggling and struggling and struggling sometimes. You ever notice that the Christian life is a struggle? Okay, has anybody noticed that you are breathing? If you're breathing and you're a Christian, the, the Christian life is a struggle. That was kind of 
oddly true, but <laughs> you're not breathing and you're a Christian, it's all good. <laughs> <clears throat> but we, I, I think as, as believers and as fellow brothers and sisters, as, as fellow temples of the living God, when one is struggling... What, doesn't it make sense to help the brother out, help the sister out? Whether it's by an encouraging word or a, a harsh exhortation, which you guys know what that means, right? It means grab you by the shirt collar and say, get going this way because you're going the wrong way, dummy. Right? I need to be called a dummy every now and then. I call myself dummy quite often, but... <clears throat> Instead, jump in their boat and help them get upstream a little faster. Help them get out of that rough spot in their, in the, their life. Help them get out of it. Quit whacking them with your oar, tell them, you're do, tell them they're doing it wrong. Help them. Get in and help them along, right? Come on. Amen. The presence of God as the church continues, and it is continuing until He comes for His bride, the presence of God is intended to invade the world with His love, His mercy, His kindness, and His goodness so that all would be drawn to Him. Dispelling darkness, that's what light does. The light of the world dispels the darkness. The salt of the earth puts bacteria and decay in its place where it's not supposed to be in, in us. <clears throat> we are the temple of the living God. I'm going to do something that I feel led to do because I think it's I don't know. I enjoy doing this. Just reading the Bible. I'm going to read out of Hebrews chapter 9 and all the way into halfway through chapter 10. And after all that I just spoke on and after all that we just talked about, I'd like you to really hear this from this perspective of what God actually desires to do and is doing, continuously doing, to get inside you. <clears throat> so listen to this as it explains it. The writer of Hebrews kind of explains this, I believe so, from the same perspective. <clears throat> Any of you ever read the Bible? It's good stuff. Really doesn't take that much time. To read the Bible. I think of this often when I waste time doing this or that, spend time doing things that are kind of just wasteful, and yet the Bible, five, ten minutes of it, it's so difficult to do at times, isn't it? Ten minutes. That's not that much time, is it? Is it? Heck, some of us wait 10 minutes to get a Starbucks and think nothing of it. So give me 10 minutes. It's about what it'll take. This is out of the New Living Translation. It says that first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. There were two rooms in the tabernacle. In the first room were a lampstand, a table, a sacred, and sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called the holy place. Then there was a curtain. And behind the curtain was the second room, called the most holy place. And in that room were... Hold on a second. In that room were a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, 
which was covered with gold on all sides. And inside the ark were a gold jar containing manna, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of divine glory, whose wings stretched out over the ark's cover, the place of atonement, which is also known as the mercy seat. But we cannot explain these things in detail now. So when these things were all in place, the priests regularly entered the first room. And as they performed their religious duties, but only the high priest ever entered the most holy place, and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and the sins the people had committed in ignorance. By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. This is an illustration pointing to the present time. For the gifts and the sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the consciences consciences of the people who bring them. For that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies, physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be established. So Christ, that's Jesus, has now become the high priest over all good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world, with His own blood, not the blood of goats or calves, He entered the most holy place once for all and secured our redemption forever. Hallelujah! I mean, wow! Are you kidding me? That says this in the Bible, guys. I'm telling you, you ought to read it. It's really good stuff. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify your consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. Now let me pause, because i got to tell you, isn't this an awesome caveat for what Jesus had done for you and I to dwell inside of us? Isn't that awesome? Do you hear what he just said? You are now guilt-free and shame-free from your sins. I mean, I received Jesus. I say yes to you, Jesus, because you are Lord. I, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness for my sins. I, I, I get this free gift of salvation by the grace of God. And then, and then a bonus... I no longer am shameful or guilty. Hello? How many of you suffer and struggle with your shame and your guilt of your sin? Yeah, all of us do. You don't have to anymore. We don't have to anymore. Did you realize that? That's what he said. It's covered. It's covered. It's taken care of. Hello? And that's not so you could just go on and keep sinning. It's so you can be free from guilt and shame of your sin. Hallelujah. Man. Wow. Tell you the best news ever. The next thing he says in that, which I didn't hit on for a second, is so that we can worship the living God. Hallelujah. Can I just sit down with you for a second? Yeah. How many of you struggle, and I'm just getting real and getting with you on this, how many of you struggle with worshiping God because of myself? Maybe we just haven't fully, maybe we haven't fully received and understood what the cross actually did how much that set me free from my shame and guilt and forgave me of all my sins. And now Jesus dwells in me. And yet I still want to say, well, yeah, but I'm so bad at this. I'm so horrible. I'm such a, oh, I'm such a rotten person. How can I worship God? I'm so bad. 
isn't that a slap in the face to God for what He's done? Isn't that a place where we say, yeah, yeah, but? Yeah, yeah, but. I don't think it was good enough to cover that. It's, it's, it's an ugly form of pride. When, when we just, when we, when we fail to receive the grace of God, the Bible refers to it as, see to it, he actually says this, see to it that no one receives God's grace in vain. In other words, that we, don't, that we do not receive the grace of God in this place of like, well, yeah, but I don't think I really need that. And that you know what, I'm, I'm beyond the place of, of salvation. Just even just a, a moment ago, I invited a, this, a homeless person who was concerned about somebody, wanted us to fix this person. And, and then he says, well, what, what can I do? And I said, why don't you go pray for him? Why don't you bring him to church here, see if we can help him? Oh, I believe in God and stuff, but I, that this church thing is not for me. And I, you know, I don't think I could really handle all of that, all this stuff. And I, and I really was like, oh. it, it just, it crushed me because I know that that's like, this is where, this is, the, this is where the answer is in Christ. <laughs> we we want to make it other things and we want to make it, about whether it's a program, whether it's about getting this or learning that or understanding this or that. It's like, no, just receive the grace of God. Let the Holy Spirit inside you, let Him love you, let Him show you, let Him teach you, let Him encourage you, let Him know you. And this is what I'm going to talk about this next week. And it's got, I, I, next, I, anyway, I'm excited about next week because it gets really, it'll get a little more gritty, but it's going to be good, a good gritty but, but what, what we allow the Holy Spirit to do is at that place of, of, the, of where we allow the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us, where, the places we give Him, when we give Him all of it, when we, we give Him the freedom then to be God inside of us. And giving God the freedom to be God inside actually makes God happy. It pleases God. It pleases God to where it swells up inside of us, the spirit of worship that yeah, I can't help it, I can't contain it. And, 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 and I can't help but worship God who loves me, gave himself for me, and likes to be with me. And he's awesome. And he's a creator, and he's a loving creator. He's so good. He's a good father. He never leaves me, never lets me down. Even when I think I'm just like, you ever feel abandoned by God? Really? I'm the only one? I like how he says it in verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 9. Just think of how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. This is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and man so that all who are called can receive the internal inheritance God has promised to them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. Now when someone leaves a will, it is necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. Duh. The will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. Do you hear that? That makes sense why Jesus said, it's better for you that I go. Because now the, all that has been planned by God is now can be put into effect by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's better that I go. Oh, man, that, that's awesome. Hey, I, just, I don't know why Scripture's awesome to me. It just really is. Probably because it is. That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. You hear what he's portraying? What he's, 
with what God had already set up. Remember I talked about it from Adam and Eve? What was their covering? A dead animal. A dead animal. It was the blood of a, a, it was, it was a dead animal that covered them, that allowed God to be with them. After Moses had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using, a hyssop, using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, this blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle on every, and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. For Christ died For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again, like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of animals. If that had been necessary, Christ would have to have died again and again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all, He has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by His own death as a sacrifice. And just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment, so also Christ, who was offered once for all, For all time, as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people, He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation completed to all who eagerly wait for Him. I'm not done. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated year after year. But they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Huh. The sacrifices under that old system were repeated year after year, again and again, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Did you hear that? Anything that you and I do religiously to try to make an attempt to get to God never will suffice. It will never do what you are trying to do. You'll never get the peace of God. You'll never get forgiveness of sins by keeping a tally of doing good things. If I outdo my bad things by good things, then maybe I'll get in. That doesn't work. You'll stay miserable. How miserable would that be to try to do more good things than bad things? Oh my gosh, I would think I would go nuts. We'll never be able to do anything on our own. Only the blood of Jesus cleanses you and gives you forgiveness of sins. Only the blood of Jesus do you have forgiveness of sins. And in forgiveness of sins is where we find peace. It's where we find restoration to God. It's where we find God living inside of us. In other words, without actually being forgiven of my sin, look at this, God can't be where sin is. If sin's still there, God can't be here. How does, sin, how does God be here? Because, what? My sin has to go? Where does it go? How, do, how does it go? It went on a cross. That's where it went. And that's the only place it went. Do you guys hear me? That's what the gospel is. If I, if I try to do this, by, if I try to get right with God by not sinning, what am I doing? Huh? What am I doing? I'm doing what he just said. The sacrifices under the old system repeated again and 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 again. And again. They don't suffice. They don't do it. They're never able to provide anything in me that actually I'm needing and looking for. 
Hello? It's, it's, to me, it's super simple. I don't know why it's so simple. I just need Jesus. <laughs> I can't do it on my own. I can't get right on my own. And he says, if they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifice would have stopped. Duh, right? It's like, if it would have worked, then, okay, that's good, it worked. Let's, all right, once a year and I'm good. No, it didn't work. It didn't work. It, exactly, with a hole in your bucket and a hole in your boat. It's just going to keep, keep coming in. <laughs> that's about the best picture you can get. Like, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. No, you're not, no, you're not. I'm still drowning, I'm still sinking. Everybody's still alive, like you're just still sinking, I mean, how hard you try. Quit trying. Just let God do it in you. That's next week. Uh, Okay, I'm almost done. Almost. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifice would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But they didn't. And yours don't either, outside of the blood of Jesus. That's a real reality that we just got to grasp. We got to get a hold of. And, and you know what? But, but about that real reality, that true truth, that's really good news. I mean, it's available. It, it's attainable to be guilt-free. It's, it, it's, it's at the tip of your tongue to just confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that He is alive. And alive in me. Verse 3 says, But instead, this is chapter 10, but instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. Isn't that funny? Not really, but it is. It's almost ironic. Here I want to take care of myself. I want to try to do this. I want to take care of all my sins. I want to get right. And yet, all it does is remind me that I can't do it. For it is, po- it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, He said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God. As it is written in me, about me in Scriptures, First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings for burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses. Why were they required by the law of Moses? To get people into this understanding to go looking to Jesus. Hello? That's what the laws was intended to do, to get us to point us to Jesus. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He, Jesus, cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our, our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down at the right hand of God. <laughs> Woo! Oh my gosh, that's awesome. And there he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering He made forever, made perfect those who were being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For He says, This is the new covenant I will make with My people. On that day, says the Lord, I will put My laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then He says, I will never again remember their sins and their lawless deeds Whoa, hallelujah. I I almost jumped through the roof if I would have let myself do it. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter into heaven's most 
holy place. What is that? What is heaven's most holy place? The presence of God. We enter into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus. He abides in me and I abide in Him. We become a dwelling place for God by the blood of Jesus, the temple of the living God. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep His promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's, that's, that's about all we got to do for each other. Let's, we can get real creative. He's giving us the freedom to get creative and think of ways how to encourage one another and how to do good and help one another. Hey, I need help. I need help thinking of ways how we can do more. I do. Hello? I need help. Anybody putting their hand up? Come on, anybody help me? That's what he's saying. You guys got to help us help. Let's help each other. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now, especially now, that the day of His return is drawing near. Hallelujah. We are the temple of God. Look at, look at it like this. Just, just do it, any of you, just try it for a week. Look at yourself as God wanting, desiring to be with you and in you. Because He values you. Look at it differently. And you might find yourself being absolutely, totally blessed, inspired, encouraged, enlightened, and even even feeling good about yourself. That would be good, right? Feeling like God actually likes me. God wants to be with me. God wants to, He wants to be inside me and He, He's choosing, He's chosen to dwell inside me. That's awesome. That's really, really awesome. Let's pray. Father, we just thank You. Thank You that Your love is so good. Your Spirit is so deep and rich. And You invade every area of my life. And I thank You for that. I praise You. And we ask now in the name of Jesus that you inhabit your people with a spirit of praise and worship that we may be set free as you have already freed us from the bondage of sin, the bondage of a guilty conscience, the bondage of shame. In Jesus' name, we are set free. And in Jesus' name, You are free to live inside of us. Come, 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 Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.